Hello, friends. Have you noticed how much podcasts have grown in popularity over the past few years? We definitely have, and it's insane. We have an opportunity for your business to take advantage of the exponential growth of our podcast by advertising with us. We've been riding the podcast growth wave for a few years now, and we want you to take advantage of this too. We have unbeatable pricing and advertising packages, and we work with you on an individual basis to produce the most effective ad possible for our audience. If you would like to advertise with Forbidden Knowledge News, email me, forbiddenknowledgenews at gmail.com. We look forward to all our new partnerships. back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Cheryl Carter. First, a couple of announcements. Check out our website, ForbiddenKnowledge.News. It's also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You're going to find some of your favorite podcasts from our community, like Raised by Giants, Inception, Going Down the Rabbit Hole, and many more. Forbidden Knowledge News is always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Rockfin is where you get our premium content. You also get all the premium content from every creator on Rockfin for only $10 a month. You just go to rockfin.com slash FKN plus to sign up. You can also create a free account and get access to tons of free content, including all our free shows. What does Big Pharma fear most? It fears you being healthy, and not being part of the perpetual cycle of being poisoned by Big Pharma and our medical industry. Break yourself free and check out what may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man, C60 Purple Power. C60 is amazing. The benefits have been personally outstanding, but do your own research. Just click the link in the description. Check out their website. If you order from that link, you get 10% off plus free shipping. What is your health worth to you? Today I want to welcome Cheryl Lynn Carter. She is an author, psychic medium, remote viewer, and member of Project PSI, a team of psychic and forensic remote viewers responsible for rescuing missing children, assisting with shutting down human trafficking rings, and closing cold case murders. To date, they have rescued 500 children, closed 18 cold cases, and assisted in shutting down 12 human trafficking rings. As an explorer of ufology, she is a member of MUFON and CE5. She is also a freelance journalist, writing for Paranormal Underground Magazine and Body Spirit Guide. Cheryl, welcome. How you doing? Good. Glad to be here. 
Yes, it's great to have you on. This is definitely long overdue. You have such an impressive body of work between, I mean, assisting shutting down child traffic rings, helping solve cold case murders, and your books. Man, we've got lots to talk about. Uh, and like I said, your work covers so many top, uh, wonderful topics that we also talk about here um, in so many directions we could go. But let's first start with more about yourself, your background, and how did this all start for you? I'm originally from Illinois. I live in Michigan right now. And I I was just born a psychic medium. So that's how I got into all this looking for missing people and human trafficking. And it really brought me into the paranormal because I could always see and hear spirits and they talked to me and I could have conversations with them. Now, this, since you were born, like, so ever since childhood, you remember being able to communicate with spirit. Um, and how did that, you know, affect your, your, your childhood and growing up? And was your family supportive? My first experience was when I was four years old, you know, and you don't know what's going on because you think everybody can do this. Mm. You think everybody can see these things and hear these things. And I realized they can't. And so, no, I didn't have anybody to talk to. I kind of talked to my grandma because I, I noticed that she could see and hear the same things like I did, but she didn't really explain what it was. But, you know, no, nobody else really, the other kids didn't talk about this. It was, it was kind of rough growing up till I got to high school because, yeah, you couldn't talk about this strange thing that I had. Now, what changed in, in high school? How did the things change for you? I met another girl who started talking about the same stuff. And I said, thank you. I'm not crazy. And we start comparing notes and just hanging around. And then I could see this. And did you ever try this? Yeah, that was great. That's, that's what I needed. I go, I know there's another person out there like me. That's great. So uh, how did that lead you to actually start implementing these uh, abilities in your life? I started doing the, this um, missing person cases. That, that was probably six years ago that a, a group of us got together. But otherwise, I, I just been using it when I go paranormal investigating. I would go to different locations. And you know, there's spirits there that want to talk. And a lot of people are just so busy with their little blinky lights out there. That, that, that means nothing to me. I don't know what the blinky light means. <laughs> But there, there's somebody there that always has a message or maybe they died and they want to tell somebody something before they can move on. And, and I can hear them and listen to them and help them. I don't help them move on. They're happy after they get their message out and they just move on by themselves. And it's like spirits know when I'm going somewhere at least three days ahead of time, somebody from that location is going to start talking to me. Interesting. They find me. They know I'm coming. Now, uh, before we get into uh, your paranormal investigations, I do want to hear a little bit how you got involved with Project PSI and tell us a little bit more about that and maybe uh, a couple of the cases that, uh, if you can talk about them, uh, that stick out in your mind. Well, I, I says my, my friend, Dr. Chuck, who's the head of it, approach me says we're putting together this group and first we we start working on cold cases a lot of cold cases and missing person cases and 
probably one of, one of the first ones that, that I did was, this was really interesting because I also remote view. I didn't know it had a name when I did it. I've always done it. I didn't know it had a name. And there was somebody, a, a woman missing in another country. And so I've, I've never been into any other countries, but I saw her walking down this cobblestone street and she walked past these two buildings. So there was an alleyway there. I saw a man jump out of the alleyway and grab her. And then the next thing I saw was like old buildings, warehouses or factories or something. And we're all shut down, but I saw them. And I was inside the factory. All the machinery was dusty and in there. But I knew she was in there. And I could hear a train whistle going by. And another person on the team actually saw the color of the building on the outside. So we sent the information over to the other country. And they found where this was. It was an old factory. And there were actually several girls in there. And they rescued them. Wow. And you've you've had uh, many of successful cases uh, shutting down mm-hmm. child trafficking rings and even cold case murders. Is there any uh, cold case murder cases that you would be able to talk about? Um, it was just uh, somebody's family member that was killed and they didn't know what happened. So we, we worked on stuff like that. I can't really explain, mm-hmm. you know, what happened. But mo- most of them were actually families that had come to us. Can you... Tell us what happened here. Right. You know, were they killed or did they just die? Now, as far as your remote viewing, uh, what to what extent do you think that you you have this ability? Can you uh, have you ever view, uh, remote viewed off planet or uh, anything I've you know outside tried, of our atmosphere? I've never tried that. I don't know. I, I hear people that do that. I'm not sure how you can go to another planet. I, I, haven't, <laughs> right. I haven't done it yet. I don't know. I'm not saying they don't do it. So uh, when you uh, when you're remote viewing, could you explain kind of the, what happens? Or you said you didn't even realize you were doing it. What 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 do you experience when you're remote viewing? I just all of a sudden I just you know because I'm a medium, I I kind of can feel things and know things from somewhere else and. I would just, I just find myself there. I just find myself in the location. I don't physically leave my body. Somehow my mind travels there. I I would like to be able to remote view somewhere and pick something up and bring it back home with me. I haven't done that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. bring Bring a rock home, something to show that I was there. Now, it seems like you have a very strong connection to uh, the other side, the spirit realm, to uh, the unseen world, whatever we can't perceive beyond the spectrum of our vision. Uh, Is this something that you deal with everywhere you go uh, that you'll, you know, kind of run into spirits or or different types of energies? There's spirits everywhere. People think you have to go to some haunted location. You don't have to. You you can go to the grocery store. You can go to the post office. There, There are spirits every place. Or maybe I'll run into a person and there's a, a spirit that belongs to them, you know, old family member or something, and they want to tell them something. And, they, and then they're telling me, I don't want to be like the Long Island medium and run up to somebody, <laughs> you know, and, and say something, but they, they do say something. And one, one time somebody wanted to tell me they were at the graduation party and it was good and I didn't say anything. And then they yelled at me. 
why don't you tell them? <laughs> <laughs> now, do you just hear? No, you can't really walk up to a stranger and start talking like that. Right, right. Do you see these spirits or you just hear? Uh, no, I see them. You. you see them as well. Wow. Is yeah. it is it yeah. full apparitions that you're getting a glimpse of? Yes, yes. That's very, that's very rare. Uh, I've, mm-hmm. you know, had plenty of people who do communicate with spirit and very few are able to actually see and hear the, the oh, spirit. I, I can describe, you know, somebody's shirt, the buttons, the collar, you know, I can see everything. Yes. Yeah. Just like I'm looking at you. you they look and just like you know. I'm sure you'd be able to tell the difference between a spirit and a living person, right? This, oh, yeah. You know, well, you, I know. I know if somebody's, I, 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 I can communicate, you know, with somebody that's, you know, far away too, but yeah, you can tell the difference whether they're alive or dead. Sure. Uh, now, I want to get into some of the places that you've investigated. Um, we have a, a great list here. The Nevada Triangle, which is I'm going to be visiting there hopefully within a few months and going to uh, shoot some footage and stuff. Tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Okay. I wasn't there. I just wrote it in my book. Okay. I have a lot of information. I wasn't actually there, you know. Well, um, the there's a place called Groom Lake, and it used to be, what was it called? Lake, lake Loatan, and it was once the, the largest lake in North America, but after the ice age, all the ice dried up, and, and now it's a, a big salt flat. And so back in uh, 1937, Patrick Sheehan and his brother bought some property because there was a lot of mining in that area. And then pretty soon, uh, the government surveyors came. And they wanted to check stuff out so that they wanted to be helpful to these guys. They said, oh, city, city people here, they're, they're out in the desert. They're going to get lost. They're going to get hot. So they let them stay in their bunkhouse. Little did they know that just below the hill, they were building the Nevada test site and they were going to test the atomic bombs. So they started testing these atomic bombs and it was killing their animals they were getting fallouts. Some of them got, family members got cancer. And the government kept trying to get them to sell their land because it's like the government bought all the land around their property. And they didn't want to sell because they had a nice mine. It was very lucrative, had all kinds of minerals in it. So then they kept offering them a price for their land. They said, no, no, you're not paying us enough. So finally in 1984, the government seized the land under eminent domain, saying that it was in the best interest of the top military operations to keep this secret. And they never paid them a penny. They just stole their land, not a penny. So 10 miles south of Groom Lake is the Papoose Mountain Range. And it was previously owned by the Papoose Mountain Company. And there's a site called the Kelly Mine. And supposedly it's abandoned, or was it? There's a load reading, a road leading up to the Cali mine, and there's an area that people call Section 4 or S4. And many people think this is the site where they are storing recovered ET crafts. This is a site that Bob Lazar talked about, that he had been inside there. He worked on a project called Project Galileo. He spoke a lot about it in 1989 with with George Knapp. 
The first time he was on an interview, he covered his face. Then he did the second interview. He goes, now I want you to see who I am. I, I worked on this project. I worked on reverse engineering. I worked on atomic number 115, which was the fuel to make these go. Mm -hmm. And then adjacent to this area, there's a little area known as Area 51, which is where the crash in Corona in 1947, they actually took back pieces of the craft and supposedly bodies back to Area 51, you know, to check it all out. But there's a group called the Majestic 12 that was trying to cover all this up. Actually had 12 members and it was run by President Truman, big top secret. And they had a document titled Extraterrestrials, Technology, Recovery, and Disposal. And a teletype in 1947 is where the government requested that these aliens were sent to Wright-Patterson in Ohio to be examined and they needed to forward the results back to the, to the government. This was part of Project Moondust. Right. Now, there's, I want to kind of break down a couple of aspects of this. Um, mm -hmm. As far as Bob Lazar, um, we still have some controversial um, research looking at Bob Lazar and uh, if he's actually legitimately done some of the things he's done. Um, I, you know, I believe that he has, maybe not to... Um, you know, the certain the specific extent that he claims, but I don't know and I don't claim to know. What are your thoughts of Bob Lazar and do you think that, you know, everything that he's come out with is authentic? Well, the, the government did their best to discredit him. They, they erased his, his work history. They erased his education history. And, and he's not the only person. They have done this. Any, anybody that, that has spoken out has had stuff erased to show they have no credentials, even though at one time they did. This is their way of, of telling you, you, you spoke up, now look what happened. Now everybody's going to think you're just a crazy person. And I, I, I do believe, I mean, he was, he tells the same story over and over and over. You know, if somebody's going to lie, they usually add a little bit each time they're telling their story or they change it. And his story never changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he does. Uh, he's very consistent. And, uh, yeah. you know, I've, I've watched a lot of analysis of yeah. his speech and things like that. And he doesn't appear to be lying about anything. So that, you know, that's very to his credit about uh, about everything going on. And as far as the Majestic 12, this is another one that we've had, you know, debunkers uh, come out and claim that they never even existed, that the document you spoke of was fake. Um, and we still, you know, to this day, we, there's still no definite proof of this, but it, it is, you know, kind of argued back and forth in this UFO community if the Majestic 12 really did exist, and I'm still in the fence either way, and what are your thoughts about it? Well, well, in my book, I have the actual names of the 12 members of the Domestic 12. I have all their names, what their ranks were in my book. Would so it, be, it did exist. It did exist. Yeah, well, I'd love to hear, you know, maybe a few of the members and a little bit more uh, about it. General Nason Tewing, chair, chairman of the Chief 
of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and Commander of the Air Material Commander based at Wright-Patterson. James Fresso, Secretary of the Navy. For, let's see, during the time of the Roswell event. Mm. And in 1949, he mysteriously committed suicide. Another one that they're trying to quiet. Um, Gordon Gray, Secretary of the Army and Consultant on UFOs. Let's see. Donald Metzer, Director of the Harvard College Observatory. General Hoyt. Vandenberg, Chief of Staff of the U.S. Air Force and former Director of the CIA. He was in charge of security for the MJ-12 group. Mm -hmm. Rear Admiral Roscoe Hittenbacher, first Director of the CIA and a member of NICAP, National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. Let's see. Dr. Jerome Hunkster, head of the National Advisory Committee on Aerodynamics. So big names here, big credentials. Yeah, yeah that is, uh, it's, it's very intriguing. Um, is there any other uh, information that you wrote about specifically about MJ-12 that's in your book that many others might not know about? Well, I just, I just had, well, I've got, you know, I've got all their photos. Mm -hmm. You can see all the, you know, there's documents where they, they sent to Wright-Patterson. And I have... Right. Anyway, <laughs> there's all, all the photos are in the book. You know. It's... Now uh, I I want to get some of uh, your insights into the UFO and extraterrestrial phenomenon in general. Now, have you had uh, personal experiences or contact experiences with uh, non-humans or, or extraterrestrials? Yes. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about some of the experiences? Now, the the, the first time, and, and, and this is why I will always carry a camera with me now, because I did not have a camera that day, because I wasn't expecting this to happen. It, it was just in the middle of the afternoon. I'm, I'm driving through town. I'm coming down a, a busy street, and I look up into the clear blue sky, and the sky opened up like a big tear, opened up. And this silver disc came out. It was hovering. And I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I'm looking around. Anybody else see this? No, no, nobody's paying attention. Nobody's looking up in the sky. And I did not have a camera. Didn't have a camera phone at that time. And the, the weird thing was, I, I, it wasn't moving. It was just, I think it was just hovering there. Everything around me stopped. Nothing was moving anymore. And I kind of lost 10 minutes. I don't know if I was just mesmerized by the thing. Who knows? And then I saw the sky open up again. It went back inside and the sky closed up. It was very strange. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> say so. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Well, who doesn't? Although we can't promise you superpowers, we can help you feel like a superhuman with our friends at Ascent Nutrition. Ascent Nutrition is making a huge difference in this community, and they have a new product that we absolutely love, pine pollen. Last year, several prominent scientists started speaking out about the power of pine trees 
and the benefits they can offer us. Ascent Nutrition offers raw, wild-crafted pine pollen. Pine pollen contains 200 nutrients in it, making it a true superfood. It's nature's highest source of phytohormones, which support hormone and libido health for men and women. Pine pollen also supports brain health, detoxification, as well as many facets of cardiovascular health. Their pine pollen is selling fast. It's literally flying off the shelves. Ascent Nutrition is on a mission of offering deeply transformative and helpful nutrients to as many people as possible to help bring about a great collective shift in human consciousness and human health. To order your pine pollen supply and check out everything Ascent Nutrition has to offer, use the link in the description or visit GoAscentNutrition.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your entire purchase. Uh, had you, did you ever have anything else happen, like uh, any close encounters or uh, any personal contact with maybe a non-human entity or extraterrestrial? I, another time I was driving to work, and I don't even know what this is. You probably heard of light rods. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I look up in the sky and and I said, is that the sun? Because it's eight o'clock in the morning. And I said, but the sun wouldn't look like that. And I go, the sun's behind you. That's not the sun. And it was a rod. It looked like sunlight, a rod of sunlight. And I'm watching it and it started rotating to the three o'clock position. I, I did get a picture of that, but only on my phone. And I watched it and finally it, rotated back up to the 12 o'clock position and then and then like a light switch turned it off mm-hmm. and then a few weeks later i saw it about the same time of day and over on the left side of the road i saw another light turn on and that one separated into two and the one started rotating to three o'clock along with the one on the other side they both start rotating at the same time then they went back up to 12 o'clock the two merged and then all the lights turned off i have no idea what it is wow Uh, i've seen it twice i don't know what it is yeah well i mean we we know that we have uh whether it's reverse engineered or for whatever uh means that we acquired the technology we have crafts that uh are not known about in the public like the tr3 uh i believe that possibly some of those tic tacs may be ours i know that we have highly advanced technology that could be mistaken for ufos um how much involvement do you think our military has with um even or relationships with extraterrestrials i I think they do and they're never going to tell us because so many people would panic i I see people watch stuff on tv and all of a sudden everything's aliens and they go everything's not aliens you know relax you know so what would happen if you actually saw something they they give us little bits and pieces to make you happy but Mm -hmm. those are crumbs yeah well what do you think it's 
since, uh, you know, 2017, especially with the New York Times article and everything that's kind of snowballed after that with the Pentagon, uh, the departments looking into UAPs and the information that's coming out in the mainstream media. Uh, what is your idea of what's going on there? I, I do think they're communicating with something. I, I do think there were bodies at Wright-Patterson. I really do. If they were able to communicate with the, the one that's called EB, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, and what you know, what were they telling us? But I, I, I think they're we're seeing a lot more because they're they're trying to communicate with us and warn us that we're going to destroy our planet the way we're we're acting here. Yeah, that has been uh, seems to have been one of the consistent messages from mm-hmm. contactees throughout history, for sure. Uh, let's talk about the the. Countersport triangle is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us about this one. This, this is interesting. Um, there was a there, there's a, a little valley there called, called Austin, and little town Austin. It's, it's in a valley, and this man named George Bayless came in and he he built a a paper mill, and he just kind of cut corners when he was doing it. The contractor says, well, we need to use this for the construction and rebar and make sure it's nice and sturdy on the bottom. And he, oh, that's going to cost this much money. He goes, well, you know, it's really important here. And he goes, no, no, just, this is all I'm spending. And then they, he wanted it done by a certain time and it was taking them longer. And he says, I want you to finish it now. Well, it's, it's winter now. And they're going, well, I don't know. We, we want to make sure this is right. He goes, you just finish it now. Of course, winter, you know, it happens to cement and everything. If it's not settled right. So they finished it. And then in a 1910 January, part of the embankment of the dam started breaking down. So they just, they just went over. The guy says, well, I'll come back over and I'll, I'll fix this. Go, no, we're not paying you any more money. So they just got a bunch of workers and they just kind of makeshift fix the dam up the bottom of the dam. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Very, very hastily repaired. So pretty soon there, there was a train that would go through the Buffalo railroad and people started seeing this tall man in black walking around the trains, walking in between the trains, running across the top of trains or sitting inside wasn't talking to anyone and people were afraid to even look at him. They were afraid to talk to him. Maybe they should have. There was also a woman in town called Cora Brooks. People only whispered her name when they were talking about the prostitute that lives up on top of the hill. So Cora lived right by the dam. And one morning in uh, 1911, a year later, she's on her porch and she hears this loud crack. The dam had burst. So she runs down and she tries to warn everybody in town, the dam, the dam's burst, get out. So luckily, everybody got out of, you know, to higher ground and they were okay. And after that, nobody ever saw that man in black again. And this is very similar to the Mothman sighting at Point Pleasant, where the Silver Bridge collapsed and the Mothman was trying to warn them of the danger. Very similar. 
What do you think about those types of kind of harbinger entities like Mothman or something like this Man in Black? Uh, do you think it's it's more of a, a paranormal type of metaphysical thing, or do you think it could be uh, you know off planet? And I want to get your thoughts on the connections between the two because I believe there are profound connections between what, con- what we consider paranormal activity and extraterrestrials. Well, I I do I, like I said I think there's people from somewhere else are trying to warn us. I truly and I truly believe those could be. And there they have many shapes. Or maybe maybe they want to they made that one man human so that you would talk to him. You know, if it looked like the Mothman, they they would be running away from it. Do you think this but is yet a, they still didn't talk to him? You know. Oh yeah. Do you think this is an interdimensional phenomenon that these kind of entities are always around us? We just can't see them at all times, and they pop in and out of our reality. Or do you think they're actually visiting from other planets, or maybe a mix of both? A mix of both. I I do believe there are interdimensionals. There's dimensions all around us. I I believe when maybe when we die, you know, people say, "Well, heaven's up here, hell's down there." Well, maybe, maybe we just go to another dimension. Maybe that's where heaven and hell is, another dimension. Like when I, when you're investigating and you hear a voice and one's real loud, they go, that, that spirit's really strong. And then the other one's a whisper and they go, that one's weak. And I said, no, I said, maybe, maybe one's closer and one's farther away. Ooh, one's gosh. in a dimension close to us and the other dimension's farther away. That's very interesting. Now, when you say closer or farther away, do you think this like layers of type yes. of reality? Yeah, there's different dimensions. Yeah, different layers. Yeah. Very good. And, and I, I ask them, and you know how they look shadowy. Mm. And I, I ask crazy questions when I'm investigating. And I said, okay, I, I can see you. you. You look kind of misty and shadowy. I says, are you really solid over there? Or do I look that way to you? But maybe, maybe they are solid on that side. Maybe we look like the ghost. Mm. Yes, I've heard this uh, quite often that, you know, um, when we're dealing with different dimensions that whatever's on the other side could perceive us as some strange paranormal entity. Sure, sure, because we don't look like them. Yeah. And and they never answer because maybe we're not, they're not supposed to tell us. I I don't know. That's so interesting. But you got to ask questions like that instead of light up that light over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about what? What is your process if you're going to investigate something? Do you do you immediately just start asking the entity questions? Is there any type of protection that you need before you start doing any of this? I always have my recorder running, always, because even if you're not asking questions, they might just want to join in. They might want to tell you that you you can you start walking into a building. Somebody could be talking to you the minute you're walking in the door. Don't wait a half hour to set up. You might be missing something. Hmm. Like one time we're walking into a building. And I heard we heard a woman's voice saying, "Here they come." Now, if I didn't have that recorder going, we wouldn't have heard that. See that there's intelligence. So this may not be always um, departed humans or deceased human spirits. This may just be other interdimensional. Entities, well, right? I believe that. Yeah, because I've, I've, there's, there's something that's been talking to me lately that I know is interdimensional. Mm-hmm. Not sure what it is. Now, is, is there, there anything a- nefarious that you have to worry about communicating with you? Anything of a trickster nature or even malevolent? Well, sure, there could be. That's why you have to be careful when you're investigating. You know, don't, don't provoke. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't say something about. Oh, just bring. I've, I've heard somebody say. 
bring on all the negative stuff. Don't do it. You're going to get what you ask for. Don't do that, you know. And it's all about your intent. If, you know, if you want someone to communicate with you, I said, you talk to them like a friend. You're into, you just walked into their house. Act like you would if you're going into your friend's house. And they will respond the same way. Otherwise, you can sit there all night and they're going to go, I'm not talking to those people. Yeah. yeah. Intent is so important. I would imagine going into someone's home and yelling for them to to talk back isn't a good. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Can you knock on the wall? They go, what? Right. (laughs) Right. Well, tell us about the St. Clair Triangle in Illinois. That one is in Illinois. And I did not know. Well, I didn't know about that area in Illinois. But this happened in 2002. Um, th- this guy came out and he was, it was January. He came out to inspect his golf course. He had a, um, he had a, a sprinkler system. He wanted to make sure that the heads weren't frozen. So he, he came out there to inspect it. And right above his head, like about 800 feet above, there was this UFO hovering. It was about the size of a football field. And so he went and he started calling the police or, or something weird here. And at four o'clock in the morning, uh, Officer Burton also saw something strange up in the sky. It would pivot, turn around, stay level, and it had all kind of multicolored lights all around it. At 4.30, another officer saw a triangle shape in the sky that was about 100 yards wide. So there were all kinds of things happening at the same time. And then the next day, another officer saw a a triangle shape with red glowing lights on the bottom. A lot of times it was just stationary. So they called in NIDS, the National Institute of Discovery, to come do some observations and, and see what they could find. And they actually did a lot of work. They didn't just research in that county. They researched in seven counties because people in seven counties were seeing this at the same time. So this was just widespread. It was like a 62 miles, people in 62 miles had, had seen this. And it was it was um, witnessed by just credible people, like the mayor and then things like that, police officers. Wow, now all these locations we've talked about so far, the recurring kind of theme is a triangle uh it's triangulated areas we hear about the Mm -hmm. uh, bermuda triangle the alaska triangle which we'll talk about later uh places like uh, of high strangest like skinwalker ranch and just these locations Mm -hmm. that have concentrations of strange paranormal activity um what are your thoughts on what is happening in these locations to cause this well they they just they call it triangles because they they just there's no actual triangle, but we they try to triangulate, you know, three mm. points to say this is the area. Some of them might be a little more square or something. That's just a figure of speech, the triangle. Right, right. Um, there could be ley lines there. I think there are a lot of, a lot of interdimensional, you know, dimensions trying to overlap, things, things like that, different things, which I think is what's going on at Skinwalker Ranch. I, I remote viewed there, and I, I saw two dimensions trying to overlap. Interesting. Yeah, t- could you tell us a little bit more about that? I'm going to actually be visiting that area soon, and I'm fascinated with Skinwalker Ranch, and I, I know a lot of the people that are involved with the research there. What did you see? 
because I, I, I co-wrote two, two books about ski right. ranch. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear about what's your thoughts on it. When I remote viewed, I actually did it mm-hmm. twice. I, I remote viewed for the first book. Um, I saw under underground cave system, which is kind of what they're, if you're watching the episodes, they're, they're kind of seeing that they might have underground cave system. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the first thing I, I saw, there was a, uh, a little stream. I never saw pictures of it. I didn't know what it looked like. I saw a small stream with a beaver dam and two beavers. And there was a native man standing there. He had one feather in his hair. His hair was in one braid. He was holding a bow. And I'm looking at him and I said, looks familiar. How can he look familiar? I've never been. There. He looks familiar. And then I realized that when I go to Sweat Lodge, he has been appearing to me for seven years. The same man, which I just went to Sweat Lodge last week and he appeared again. And he keeps showing me something to the east. He's pointing to the east, wants me to see something. Don't know what, because he never tells me and I can't go there to tell him to see. So then all of a sudden, um, I don't know, after the second time, something followed me home. You've heard about the hitchhikers. Yeah. Well, I guess you don't actually have to be there because I remote viewed, but I was kind of there, right? In spirit. Yeah, yeah. And something followed me home. Now, it's it's not ba- anything bad. But here, here's where I'm talking about. I didn't think it was human. I thought it was interdimensional, whatever it is. And the weird part was they started downloading binary code in my head. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was going so fast, I, I couldn't write it down. I don't and even if I could write it down, I don't know how to read binary code. And I kept saying, stop. I thought I thought it was just daydreaming. No, stop. Mm-hmm. And then it started a second time. And I said, no, and I don't like to stop. And then one of them, I see one over in the corner. And I thought it was like a shadow person, but it was actually something standing in the shadows. Couldn't quite see the eyes, but there was something there. And they said, it's okay. It's okay. And they start doing it again. And I said, but I don't understand. And they said, you will when you get here. So I don't plan on going there, but wow. I, I still don't know, you know, what, it, what they did. I don't feel any different. I don't right. feel enlightened. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, what about, what are your thoughts on the actual kind of interest in this by uh, clandestine groups, uh, three-letter agencies, governments, <laughs> corporate groups. I mean, there's there's people doing some major research on, say, Skinwalker Ranch and other places uh, like it, but uh, it does it seem like it could be possibly a little dangerous to be messing with that stuff, especially um, when you're a, uh, you know, a warlike type of uh, entity such as our U.S. military, you know? That's what I mean. We, we have to, again, with the, the right intention, because we, we don't know who we're talking to, who we're dealing with. And maybe maybe they are peaceful and you're just going to push them too far. And then what? Like, like when you're investigating, you don't know the power a spirit can have to pick you up and throw you against the wall. Right. It can happen. So, you know, so how do you know what could happen here? Just keep the intent. It's OK to research, but trust me, they're researching us, too. You know. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Um, now, as far as what we're seeing, uh, I want to go back to with government disclosure. They're kind of 
portraying this as a threat and something kind of nefarious. We have senior members of our Pentagon that are saying it's something demonic. So it's very interesting uh, to see the kind of different thought process uh, from these people at higher levels about what could be going on and I don't trust anything coming out of our government or military or media for that matter just because they have a horrible track record of basically never telling the truth so why would I believe anything coming out now uh, but it does seem that they're kind of pushing it towards the threat level which uh, most of the genuine experiences that I've kind of uh, looked at my own experiences people I've interviewed most of them are not uh, threat threatening. Most of them are not nefarious. Most of them are for our consciousness evolution, spiritual purposes, things to make us better people. Very few times, unless it's our U.S. government or military doing it, that it's really nefarious. So, what do you what are your thoughts about that? I I don't like how people just rush right away and use the word demon. Mm-hmm. You know, too much TV there. I won't say this is a show. And um, it, it's not. I mean, I, I think, like I said before, that they're here to warn us. How many times do you do you see reports of them around nuclear plants? A lot. Mm-hmm. And if they wanted to destroy the nuclear plant, they, they would have zapped it. That's not what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to say, you know, be careful. There's something wrong with this facility. Because there, there was one instance, I, I don't remember, I think it was in Wisconsin where they noticed this, and then a few days later, there was actually a problem at the, the plant. So I think they're warning us. That. I don't think they're nefarious. I, I really don't. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some uh, some aspects of what's coming out in the mainstream, and most of it that I don't trust at all, and I'm, I'm very curious yeah, to where mm-hmm. it's going, uh, but it's something that I definitely think we should keep an eye on. Uh, tell us about the Big Lick Triangle in Kentucky. Big, Big Lick is actually a, a state park down there, one, one of the cities, and that's where they had they found all the huge mass of fossils that had fallen into the tar many 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 years ago and there's also where this happened on the stafford uso uh, ufo incident in 1976 and this was in uh, lancaster kentucky so three friends were going out to dinner to, to to celebrate a birthday mona stafford louise smith and elaine thomas and they had a nice dinner they're coming back home and all of a sudden, one of them looks up in the sky and says, oh, I think there's a shooting star there. Look at it. And they're watching, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't a star. And they kept watching, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And soon, they saw it coming closer to them. And it was right above them. And the whole inside of their vehicle was lit up like sunlight. And a, a mist was in there. And they don't remember what happened for hours. They didn't realize that at the time. And so then they they woke up and they drove home, but they all felt very strange. And one of them looked at the clock and and says, we lost two hours. It was only a half hour drive home. Why did it take us two hours? And so they didn't want to talk about for a long time. And... Dr. J. Allen Hynek suggested that they use hypnotic regression because he was very interested in this. 
and they weren't sure if they wanted to do it. And so they did. And when, when they went through this, they, they said each one of them was actually taken up into the craft. They were examined. They explained how they were examined. They were taking samples of them, poking them, you know, and they, they saw these little beans, maybe five foot tall. But they, they still, the rest of their life, they just were not the same. They were just so disturbed about this. It's a really strange story. Yeah. Now, for for that kind of outcome, for, for them to be um, kind of had this not not being able to have closure with the event and being disturbed by it still is very rare, I find, for people who at least kind of pursue um, maybe regression or something that can bring them back to the event. And once they actually understand it more and get a little bit uh, better picture of what actually happened, it becomes a more positive thing and something that they shouldn't be afraid of. And it seems like that's the case for for most of these uh, ET contact cases. Do you find that's the uh, true for for stuff that you've looked at as well. Yeah, I mean, look, look at Benny and Barty Hill when when they went through the, the regression. Yeah, everything was great. You know, they're writing books about it and things, and, and they wanted to share their experience. But I think they kind of knew about the subject before these these ladies never knew about it, and this was you know kind of terrifying to them. You know, it's a little little small town. They they just didn't know about this kind of stuff. So I'm sure there are some people, I mean, even when someone has a paranormal experience, there's people that go away and don't want to have anything to do with it ever again. It's, it's very few, very few percentage, but yeah. Right. Now, um, what, what about, we, you mentioned these kind of... Um these attachments that you you can get uh, even while you're remote viewing i think you call them hitchhikers um could you tell us a little bit about uh, your experiences with that and attachments in general this is something that i've become fascinated with because i recently found out how common it is and how many people on a daily basis can be carrying around multiple spiritual attachments well there's a difference between attachment Mm mm-hmm a hitchhiker. Okay. Yeah, a, a spirit can be around you. That's one thing. But if something is attached to you, they're actually attached to your shoulder, your back, and and they are sucking your energy out, and you'll feel tired. Mm. You don't know what's wrong. There, there's a you know, and that when you have an attachment, you have to actually have that removed. That doesn't go away. If a spirit's around you, you 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 can say, well, why don't you go back where you you came from? You're you're not welcome here. You know, nicely say it. There there is a big difference. So I'll hear so many people say, well, I have an attachment. Well, you don't want one. Trust me. <laughs> you know? well, tell us a little bit more about that, the the difference so that people can kind of distinguish. Uh, an attachment, you said you have to actually have it removed by, you know, I, I'm assuming somebody who knows what they're doing with this. Right, a spiritual person, right, to, to actually have it removed. And and also one, one time, and um, not just that, you could have a spirit jump into you. Like a possession. I don't, it, it could be like I was investigating with my friends one night at a place that we've been to four or five times before it was, you know, a very active place, but there was nothing bad there. And we were sitting at a, it was like a dining room table and we had the radio going trying to get some voices to come out. And my one friend came in, he sat over in the corner by this mirror. And I said, I don't know why I said, I said, don't, don't sit there. 
why not? I said, I, I don't know. Don't, don't sit. I just knew don't sit there. I didn't know why. So we're, we're going around and, you know, voices are coming through the radio and we're talking. And I don't know why we had our hands on the table flat. We, people don't usually sit that way, but we were. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm feeling the table vibrating. And I said to my one friend, well, does the table feel funny to you? Yeah, yeah. It's vibrating. I said, okay, I'm not crazy. And then the other guys go, yeah, it's vibrating. I said, okay. I think whatever's here is trying to have us have a circle of energy, the energy going. I said, take your hands off the table. Take your hands. So then we says, okay, let, let's let's go outside for a while because we're in there for like an hour. So I go, that was weird. That was weird. My one friend says, I'm going back upstairs. I got unfinished business. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Okay, so now we're going upstairs. And as we're going up the stairs, I didn't know if I heard it in my head or my ears. I heard a man's voice say, they're coming back. And my other friend was at the doorway already. And he says, I just heard a voice say they're coming back. Okay. So now we sit down at the table. The room feels different. It's heavy. Nothing's coming out of the radio. And all of a sudden, my one friend across from me is laying on the table, almost contorting. I says, what's wrong? It's on my back. It's on my back. And I'm, oh, my gosh. He goes, get off, get off. Well, it went over to the other friend on the corner. And I saw my friend sit straight up like this. And I go, oh, no. And I said, are you okay? And he turned around and looked at me. His eyes were black. And he goes, I'm fine. And it wasn't his voice. The spirit had jumped him. And this can happen to anybody. We go, what the heck do you do? So I took my cross off my neck. I stuck it on his forehead. We start praying. I didn't bring holy water that night. I don't know why. We got him outside. And I was vending that weekend. And I had some St. Benedict's medals, which they use for executions. And I took it out, put it around his neck. I says, put this on. And immediately his face started changing. The spirit didn't like that middle and, and he was okay. Wow. Now he, he had lost 10 minutes. He doesn't know what happened. Yeah, but you, that's how you could have a possession. Yeah, but, and it could just happen. We didn't ask for anything. It, it just says, I'm going to get this guy, you know. Wow, that's incredible. Wow. It? That's, that was, it I don't is. ever want to see something like that again. And you see it on TV and people, oh, yeah, possession. Well, when it's one of your friends, what do you do? Right. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. That's uh, that's insane. I mean, I've had a couple of pretty um, unex weird, unexplained experiences lately, but nothing like that. And I couldn't imagine. Oh, I don't having my ever want friend. to see anything like that again. No. For sure. Uh, We're probably right, just lucky that we helped him. Who knows? Maybe that wasn't going to help. Well, I mean, yeah. It, Glad it did help. What about the Alaska Triangle? We've, you know, seen the. There's been TV shows about this, and this is one of the most kind of uh, famous type of uh, triangle high strangeness places out there. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've researched into this. Okay, everybody thinks that the Bermuda Triangle is just the most mysterious place and, and, and the most disappearances. And it's not true. It's the Alaska triangle. There are more boats, planes, people disappearing in Alaska than in any of the other triangles. And the people have, 
sure it's sure it's the wilderness you know people can get lost in the wilderness okay animal wild animals can get them you can rule some of that out but there's just been so many strange things that happen that you you can't explain and one of the weirdest things that i don't know if they show this on tv or not during the 1950s during the cold war the government said they they needed to set up a radar system it was called the dew line distance early warning line so that they could make sure that we were safe in case there was a, a Soviet nuclear strike because Russia is so close. And they also, a few years later, they built White Alice communications. And both of these were supposed to help them. Those were like a big, big satellite dishes to, to catch any signals that might be coming from Russia. So in uh, May, 1992, China conducted an underground nuclear test in Longpur and seismic uh, recordings said that there might be something wrong. So they, they were start checking around the area to make sure that nothing happened when they did the nuclear test. Nothing happened to their White Alice communication system. And when they did the recording, they, they found that there was something underground, some kind of structure underground that, that shouldn't be there. You're in Alaska in the middle of nowhere. And it looked like a pyramid an underground pyramid. And its three points are Juno, the Barrow Mountains, and Anchorage. So they, another government project, Project Dark Pyramid. What a great name, huh? <laughs> we would never guess what this is about. And it's 100 feet below the earth, 1,150 feet tall, each side measuring the same. And it's twice the size of the Great Pyramid of Giza in, in Egypt. So consider how big that is. And, and one night, um, a counterintelligence uh, agent, Doug Mulcher, was just sitting in, a, in a, a bar and the TV's going, and the news was talking about this. Somebody had, had reported it. And he goes, wow. So he next day he, he went to the news station he requested a copy of this. He wanted a copy of it. And they said, we, we didn't broadcast anything about this. That, that never happened. No, sitting there with some other guys. No, never happened. Never happened. And so he's walking out and one of the cameramen stopped him. They go, yeah, it happened, but we, we had to get rid of it. We, we were told not to, the government told us not to talk about this. You know, another cover-up. Wow. So he actually started looking for information. He started going back looking through files, trying to find something about this, can't find anything. One day he, he went into a room and he starts going through all these filing cabinets and these three men came in and they said, you're not allowed in here. You're not allowed to be looking at this. Don't talk about this. So again, so in 2002, he actually had um, an interview with Linda Moton Howe and he talked all about it, about this heavy, heavily guarded pyramid with alien technology that, that um, generates its own energy that's under the ground in Alaska. Now, what do you think the this kind of recurring type of theme and, and uh, use of the pyramid 
was on a, on a grand scale for our ancients. Uh, it seems to be linked to advanced technology, some type mm-hmm. of energy, maybe even, you know, uh, consciousness type of abilities. I want to get your thoughts on uh, pyramids and what, what the real underlying uses were these for. I, I do believe that that pyramid shape is like a, a power generator. And, and they even said that there, there used to be water under the pyramids, generating generating this energy. There's all, all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm actually writing a new book about earth energies where I'm going to talk about all this kind of strange stuff in other areas besides these triangles. And there are, they all, they all have the same kind of things in common. Like another strange place is, is the, the zone of silence down in Mexico. I'm, I'm so intrigued with that place. I, I, I don't know if I've heard of this. What, what is the zone of silence? There, there's actually a, a little area in the desert. I forgot how many miles it is. And when they were out there surveying many years ago, they had the walkie-talkies and the, the, the head guys trying to communicate with other peoples and the walkie-talkies weren't working in certain places. They go somewhere else and they were working and somewhere else they weren't. This is, this is weird. There are actually spots where there is no sound. Your hmm. instruments will not work. And he went back and he tested it and tested it, tested it. And he's just baffled. He goes, yes, this is actually true. But then he also found out that it wasn't like it was in this area or this area, the zone of silence moved around, whatever it is. And at one time, there was a supposedly a alien aircraft that crashed not too far away from there. And the government hurried up and came in, took it away. You know, another story that you won't be able to read about, but they took it. And ever since then, there's been really strange plant life. There'll, there'll be plants that are purple, you know, cactus that will, will turn purple. The, the animals there are the turtle, very abnormal size because of some kind of radioactivity from this, this so-called plane crash. And there, they actually have like a, a little park there now. And the, the head, um, I guess, scout guide Hmm. was in the building at night and all of a sudden the walls of the in the room that he was in started showing all kinds of binary code geometric figures on the walls wow and he goes you try to tell people that you know again you're crazy so he just kept the journal Every day he would write down all the, the strange things that were happening, strange sounds that were happening, things that were coming out of his radio that, that shouldn't. And this, then one day he just disappeared too. Oh, his really? car was still there. Wow. He never returned? He never left. <laughs> his car was there. Uh, who, you know, who knows? Wow. Yeah, who, who, who took him? Uh, the government? Who knows? Who took him? 
Now, uh, there seems to be a profound connection with uh, electromagnetism and some of the strange events that occur surrounding uh, UFOs and what their kind of residual energy is. I've had a few guests on that talk about how um, they've had encounters with a UFO and then for a time, a period of time after, they'll have like poltergeist activity or strange paranormal activity on their land or in their house or just unexplained phenomenon that, that kind of coincided with this, this UFO visit. Uh, have you heard of that before? I've heard of it. Now, that didn't happen to me. I just said the strange thing that followed me home. But <laughs> yeah. 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 But, you know, it might not be related. It might have got something else stirred up. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Do you think there is a connection between off-planet entities, extraterrestrials, UFOs, and what we would consider ghosts or spirits or paranormal activity? Absolutely. There, there, like I said, there's so many dimensions, so many other realms. We are not the only planet with life on it. There's so much we don't know. 100%. Uh, now, to close out today, do you think that people have become, in the past few years, more open to all the things that we're discussing today, uh, spirituality, I know that, of course, extraterrestrials, people have become more interested because the mainstream's kind of showing it more, but I think there's other aspects where people are becoming more open-minded and curious and looking into things more, and I'm wondering if you see the same types of thing. I do, and, and look how many people are interested in Bigfoot now. Yes, Bigfoot. And, oh, another Love thing, and right. And I've, you know, I've got friends that, that live in New Mexico and that's, that's what they do. They, they have Bigfoot out by them. He, he has, he has photos, he has sounds, he has, he has footprints. Do you have any you know, insights into, into Bigfoot and what it could possibly be? I mean, there's so much high strangeness surrounding this either. I think it's much more than just a lost hominid. Well, it's, it's some kind of a, a species like us, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it seems like they have much be. more uh, consciousness or even uh, more abilities than we have as humans. I've heard of encounters with psychic uh, communication. I've heard of encounters where these Bigfoots are walking through portals, in and out of portals, holding orbs associated with UFOs, just all kinds of strange stuff. And I keep hearing people say, well, you see Bigfoot, you'll see a ship. They're, they're aliens. I, I don't believe that. Yeah, I think they're separate. <laughs> uh-huh. Could be a coincidence. You just have a lot of strangeness in the area where you see this. I, I don't believe they're aliens, no. Right. I believe they were are some kind of species like us. Mm -hmm. But they're, you know, they're like how many species are still in the, the Amazon jungle that we don't know about? How many are in the ocean we don't know about? Right. And they, you know, obviously they like to keep to themselves. You think they that's what we're seeing with, us, so, with we some of the cryptid? Them? You think that's what we're seeing with some of the cryptid creatures, like maybe dogmen or some of these other unexplained animal hybrid-looking things? It's just lost actual uh, hominids or animals from our past. I do, I do believe it. Yeah, you, you can't, you know, the, probably the reason we're seeing is that you know the population's getting bigger. You know, we're we're building in, in places where it was just open land before, and we're we're getting into their space. That's why we're seeing more things. Mm. 
Yeah, we, I definitely believe that we're living in very special times right now. There's a lot yeah. happening. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited, I think, with that humans are kind of growing and evolving and uh, looking into this stuff more. So we're definitely headed into interesting times. And Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on today. Before you head out, let everyone know where they can find all your books, any of the work you're doing, website, social media, all that good stuff. Uh, and get my books on Amazon.com. I have a website, www.sherylincarter.com. I have a lot of my investigations on there, different photos, some stories that I, I wrote. I need to put some new ones in. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. You can find me any of those places. Great. Well, Sherry, thank you so much. This was fun, and we'll definitely have to talk again in the future. Sounds good. Awesome. All right. Well, till next time, everyone have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. We'll see y'all all then.